Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we're joined by lead pastor Dave Ferguson as we continue the series, Pray Like This. For more information, please visit us at communitychristian.org. Also, if you need prayer, we invite you to text PRAY to 630-793-6399. Our prayer team is standing by and ready to pray for you. Remember, you can always find us online at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. Welcome to Community Online. My name is Jason Ishmael, and I'm so glad you're with us today. I have no doubt that the Spirit wants to move powerfully during our time together, so let's get ready for what He has in store. As we begin, uh, let me say a special welcome to those of you who are brand new to community. We are so glad you found us online. The events in our neighborhoods and our nation over these past few weeks have reminded us of how desperate we are for more of God's kingdom to come to earth. One thing is for sure, we can't just move past what we've seen. God calls us to be people who work for justice and reconciliation. I am so grateful to be a part of a church that is willing to look beyond ourselves and our own needs to join God in the work he's doing in our neighborhoods, our city, and our world. Let me remind you that today we are continuing our series, Pray Like This. During this series, we've been learning how to pray by digging into the prayer Jesus taught his disciples. And today, I think we're going to learn a form of prayer that will be new to many of us. So let's join our lead pastor, Dave Ferguson, as he brings us today's message. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your your name. name. Your Your kingdom kingdom come, come, your your will will be done done. on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today today our daily daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead lead us us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For For yours yours is the kingdom kingdom and the power and the the glory glory forever. forever. Amen. Amen. I want to welcome you to Community Online, wherever you're joining us from, whether it's uh, here in beautiful Chicagoland, which it is during the summer, or somewhere across the United States, or somewhere else around the world. It is great to have you as a part of our community family. And I want to say, as the lead pastor, um, I just want to express my thanks, really both to God and to you all. Um, Since having to move everything online about 10 weeks ago, uh, what has happened has really been just, I mean, simply unbelievable um, outside of God. I mean, over the course of that time, we are now seeing more people celebrate, almost double with us on a weekly basis. More people are connected in small groups. More people are contributing and serving in the community. And we're developing more 3C Christ followers, which is what we want for you. And we just sense God's favor is on us, and we are grateful for that. And uh, we believe the best is yet to come. And I also want to add this, one other thing too. I want to just say how proud I am of you, community, and how you responded uh, to the interview last week with with my friend, uh, lead pastor Quentin Mumphrey of New Hope Covenant Church down the south side. Um, I got so many emails and texts back, people saying, hey, how can I be a part of the solution? Uh, Is there some way I can volunteer? People even uh, gave money, significant dollars, so we could do some things to help rebuild some of the businesses on the south side. And I just want to say I am really proud of you, and I'm grateful Grateful to be your lead pastor to be a part of this church. Okay? All right. So here, here's why I need your help. Ready to jump in? Here's why I need your help. And I need the help of all you superhero fans. And I don't care if you love Marvel. I don't care if you love uh, DC. I just need to know this. Not, not, not who's your favorite superhero, but instead I want to know who's the most interesting villain. And I'm going to have you type that in the chat room. Who's the most interesting 
villain. Now, some of you are going like, what is he talking about? And I would have been the same way. <laughs> I mean, the last couple of weeks, I've gotten a little bit of a tutorial. And what I have discovered, there's a whole subculture out there. I mean, that just loves, loves, loves DC or love, loves, loves Marvel, but loves superheroes. And I think you're about to get exposed to that in the chat room. Maybe you didn't know it even existed. So in the chat room, the most interesting villain. Now, maybe the most interesting villain you would say is this here. Maybe it's Lex Luthor. You'd say, that's the most interesting villain. This guy who's this wealthy power mad villain. Or maybe you'd say uh, Thanos, all right? The, uh, the mad titan. Or one I might pick too is uh, early on I said the Joker. Or maybe a little more eccentric in your choice of interesting villain. And you might say asbestos lady <laughs> or condiment. Look at this, condiment king. Yes, those are real villains. Um, now my favorite... I don't know if you can have a favorite villain. Can you have a favorite villain? The most interesting villain. The most interesting villain has to be Zebediah Kilgrave, or known as the Purple Man. Now, I promise you I'm going somewhere with this, so stick with me, okay? Stick with me on this. The Purple Man actually started as a doctor. He started as a doctor, became this international spy. He was asked to infiltrate a chemical refinery. When he went there, he got doused with this chemical, which turned his hair and all his skin purple. Turns out, didn't see this one coming, it was nerve gas, which gave him the superpower to control the wills and the minds of people. And he took this mind-controlling superpower and he began to use it for evil and started a, 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 crime, a criminal crime from that point forward. Now, the purple man would do things like, for example, uh, he was able to control all of the minds of everybody in New York City. He was able to make women love him, even if they didn't want to. And if, and if he was confronted by another man, he could have that, he'd make that man, just by mind control, just pound his head against the wall. And the guy would just do it on his own will, ruthlessly. And it, it, was, it was horrific, this, this control he had. Why am I saying this? I think, I think part of my recent fascination with this purple man villain it's because he's like a real villain, a real villain in our world. I think there's a real villain in our world who is alive and well, to whom we are susceptible to, and who tries to infiltrate and control our minds. Uh, the American Life podcast a while back featured an episode titled The Devil in Me. So interesting. So interesting. The show asked a variety of people this question. They said, do you ever feel like there's a voice that tells you to do things you don't want to do? After recording the episode, the show's host said, it was like everybody was going like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, he, he actually said it was like people have been waiting their whole lives for somebody to ask them that question. Some of the responses in the interviews came back. One person acknowledged, yeah, I actually have a name for that voice, I call it Stan. <laughs> Stan tells me to have another glass of wine. Stan tells me it's okay to keep smoking. Someone else explained, yeah, and, and it feels totally out of control. I feel like I can't tame it anymore. At the end of this episode, called The Devil in Me, they said, they asked the question, do you feel like the voice is winning? And one woman said, yeah, I think it is. And I think I might be in trouble.
I want you to think about this. Do you recognize that sometimes there's a voice? There's a voice that asks you to do things you really don't want to do. That tempts you to do things that you know are not good for you. See, here's the truth. I think the truth is this, that if we don't recognize that voice, if we don't fight back against that villain's voice, we too, individually, and as a church and community, we will find ourselves in trouble. Uh, We're in in the the second to last week of what's been a terrific series called uh, Pray Like This. And it's based on the Lord's Prayer. Some traditions call it the, the Our Father. And, 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 and basically the disciples saw just something very powerful in how Jesus prayed. And so they asked him, they said, Lord, would you, would you teach us to pray? And so Jesus says, yeah, I will. And then he says, pray like this. And then he ex- gives them this model prayer. And I'll tell you what, wherever you are, just me and you, I would love for us to kind of just say it out loud. And I, maybe it feels awkward to say it out loud, but I would love, even if you whisper, just let those words come off uh, out of your mouth and across your lips and your tongue. And, and here it is. This is the, the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer. Let's do it together in three. One, two, three. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. All right, what I want to do is I want to highlight the fifth line in this model prayer from Jesus. And it says this. It says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Because what Jesus is doing here with every section of this prayer is he's teaching us how to pray. And what he teaches us here is the prayer of spiritual warfare. And I think this is a form of prayer that will probably push a lot of us outside of our comfort zone. And the reason we're going to be uncomfortable with this is, here's why. Most people in the Western world, United States, okay, do not take the presence of evil or the evil one seriously. Not nearly as serious as Jesus or the writers of the Bible. And honestly, from my own travels, and I've had an opportunity to be in almost every continent of the world. In fact, I was supposed to be this week in Europe. But I'm telling you, we don't take it as seriously as the rest of the world. In fact, I think when we think of the evil one, we kind of, or the devil or Satan, we conjure up kind of images that look, you know, something like that, right? And so we kind of dismiss it like purple man, like fictitious. Now, I wouldn't expect people who are not yet Christians necessarily to buy into this. But check this out. Barna did the research on this, and 26% of people who call themselves Christ followers say they don't believe in the devil or Satan or the evil one. But I'm here to tell you, and we're going to find out today, the biblical writers had a much different view. For example, we'll start right here. Peter, one of the first followers and leaders of the early church, he says this. He said, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That's right there in the Bible. They're talking about it. If you consider that your truth source. Some of the very best minds Let's bring in N.T. Wright. If you don't know who he is, Google him. I'm telling you, he's a heavyweight. He said this. He said, the biblical picture of the Satan is thus non-human and non-divine quasi-personal force, which seems bent on attacking and destroying creation and above all thwarting God's project of remaking the world and human beings in and through Jesus Christ. So let me summarize. The Bible says it's true. Some of the best minds in theology say it's true. And I think... 
If you pay attention to your life, there's a voice that tells you, yeah, it is true. It is true. Now, before we get too far, I want to back off just, just a little bit, because I, I want this to be a very sobering talk for you. But not everything, okay, that you don't like or everything that's sad in your life is an attack of the evil one. So, for example, if you burnt dinner last night, it might be just because you didn't put the timer on and it's your fault, okay? It's not Satan. If you got a ticket, you're driving too fast. The reason you got a ticket is because you're driving too fast. It's not the evil one, okay? Sometimes, I don't want to just say, sometimes there's some things that are my fault or some things just simply your fault. And what we're not trying to do is kind of trying to find, you know, a boogeyman around every corner. But I do want to raise kind of your uh, alertness to the evil one and his intentions. All right? C.S. Lewis kind of tries to balance this, and he, and he says this, uh, another heavyweight. He says, there are two equal but opposite errors into which our race, which people can fall about, the devils. Here's the first one. One is to disbelieve their existence, which is what a lot of us do, or the other is to believe it and feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them, to obsess on it. All right, now with that in mind, what I want to do is I want you to understand that the biblical writers describe a very real villain who is actively opposing God's purposes and God's people. And so that's why Jesus says, no, pray, deliver us from the evil one, the spiritual warfare prayer. Okay, so how do you, okay, how do you kind of pray a spiritual warfare prayer? And I want to make this as practical as I possibly can because it's kind of a, a scary kind of topic, but I want to make it practical as I possibly can by giving you three guidelines and then ending with two tools. Three guidelines and two tools. And here, here's the first guideline. The first guideline is this. You got to know the enemy. Know your enemy, all right? And um, as we think about this enemy's work, I'm going to ask you to think of it on two levels. I want you to think about that voice, okay, the, its work in your life, but I also want you to think about it in the world, and you'll probably recognize it even in current events, your life and the world. So Jesus is very specific about his description and how we can know the enemy. He says this, he's a liar, and he is the father of lies. And here's what he does specifically. I think he tries to bring lies into our mind about our relationships, about our relationship with ourself, that we can't do this, that we are less than, lies about our relationship with the people we love the most, that maybe we're not okay, that we begin to assume bad things about each other, each other. lies about our relationship with God, that I've, I've gone too far, he'll never forgive me, his grace isn't big enough, those kind of things. I'm telling you, like the purple man, right? He's trying to control our mind. He's the father of lies. Well, then you go on and you have like um, Paul. Paul warns us here in Ephesians. And he says this, don't let the devil get a foothold. The idea of a foothold is to kind of wedge in between, all right, to create division. Know the enemy. I'm telling you, the enemy wants to create division in your family, in your friendships. He would love to create division in this church, in our community, in our country. Because when we are divided, right, when we're divided, he can have his way. He can have his way. Peter, this is very fascinating. Again, know your enemy. Peter says this. He says, be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, okay, we already read this, but your enemy, I want to highlight that. Your enemy, sometimes over there, that gets translated adversary. 
which also, which really means, or sometimes gets translated, anti-justice. Anti-justice. That he's against justice. He wants people to be left out. He wants people to have to do without. He wants people to continue to be down and out. He's against justice. So we have to know our enemy. And if you know the enemy, you know he's trying to bring lies into your life and the world. He's trying to divide. And what he's also, he's against anything that brings justice. That's the first guideline. Know the enemy. Second thing we have to do, all right? Know your, okay, and I got to know mine. Know your authority. I mean, sometimes when there's certain things in our own life that are going on, or even in the world, that we start to feel kind of helpless, powerless. And we're like kind of like a, you know, a chihuahua yapping at a giant grizzly bear. We're kind of loud, but, you know, we're an ankle biter at best. Well, here's the thing. A couple things you need to know. And this is going to be, I, I hope, very, very encouraging for you. In Ephesians, it says this, okay? It says that Jesus has already Please hear that, already won the victory. Our enemy's powerful, yes, so it's a sobering challenge in front of us, but Jesus is infinitely more powerful. Paul explains it. Look at this. says, God raised Christ Jesus from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realm, far above all rule, all authority, all power, and all dominion. So from where Jesus is sitting, he sits and he rules over all. He's in dominion over all. There's there's nothing that's greater than him. No one is more powerful than him. And I want you to get that. I think, I think sometimes we think, oh, it's, you know, Jesus and Satan. And it's kind of like this. It looks like this, (laughs) like they're arm wrestling. Oh boy, I hope Jesus wins this one. No, no, you're giving Satan way too much credit here. It's not like that at all. In fact, if you look in Ephesians 1.22, it says, no, God placed all things under his feet. A better image than like the arm wrestling is actually Jesus standing on the chest of Satan pointing down at him. That's what we're talking about. That would be a more clear picture of the authority that he has. Now, that's not all. This is where it gets exciting. And one of the reasons I was really excited to get a chance to talk to you about this. Jesus hasn't called us to merely kind of stand back like it's a neighborhood fight and go, Jesus, get him. And we're just cheering for him at it from a distance. No, check this out. The next chapter in Ephesians, chapter two, it says this. God raised, who does it say there? Us. He raised us up with Christ and seated us with him. He's right there. He's an authority overall, right? In control of all, powerful. And he seated us right there with him. So where Jesus sits with all spiritual authority, we sit with him. Where Jesus sits with all spiritual power and dominion, we sit there right there with him. And he's not calling us just to kind of marvel and stare from a distance at what he's doing. He's saying, no, I want you to share in this authority, to share in the authority, so that we can actually, through Jesus, his power, which we have access to, check and remember, know the enemy, where there's lies we have the authority to bring truth. Remember our enemy? Where there's division, right? We have the authority to bring unity. We can unite people. (laughs) Where there's partiality, we can come in and we can bring justice. We have the authority because we have Jesus right alongside us to do those things. All right, so we know our enemy. We know our authority now. We got to know how to fight. We got to know how to fight. And the, and the Bible teaches us 
great verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, says this. The weapons we fight with, they are not kind of weapons of this world. No. On the contrary, they have divine power and they will demolish strongholds. All right, you got a lot going on in, in one little verse here. I mean, you got kind of strongholds, you got weapons. Okay, let's, let's sort all this out and how to, how to fight. Okay, first of all, strongholds. To be honest with you, strongholds was kind of this, I knew it was a Bible word, but it's a weird word. I didn't quite get it. Here's what strongholds are. Strongholds are, remember, know your enemy. They're the lies that the, that the evil one tries to put in our heads and in our hearts. The, the strongholds are the temptations that we chronically give into. Right? You got them. Strongholds are the division that right now, Right now, he's trying to create in your marriage, in your family, and in some of your most important relationships. And, it, and he's like a villain, like the purple man. He's trying, to, he's trying to destroy every good thing in our life. And here's the thing. When those strongholds take hold in me, or you, or a family, or a community, or a country, it is devastating. It'll destroy me. It'll destroy a family. It can destroy a community. It can destroy a country. That's what a stronghold is. But, okay, the good news, thank God, he gave us weapons. And not just weapons of the world, no. Divine power that can demolish strongholds. Okay, what are those weapons? There's many of them, but I want to give you two of them. Again, to make it as practical as I possibly can. And one of the weapons is this right here. is God's word, the Bible. And I'll tell you what. This is the most underutilized weapon around that we have this so available to us, but we so seldom use it. And, and here's, kinda, here's how it kind of works. Because when we expose the lies, the truth, the truth here, this is our truth source, all of a sudden they're seen as lies and they're disempowered. They're demolished. So like a lie like bitterness that gets in a relationship. Bitterness, which says, you know what? Um, I have the right to revenge. When we get exposed to the truth of forgiveness... Then we go like, no, the way this world's supposed to work is I forgive others as Christ forgave me. Or how about the lie of prejudice, which says I'm better than another? <laughs> well, guess what? That gets demolished when you get exposed to the truth, right? Our truth source of unity, which says, no, we're all one in Christ Jesus. Or how about the lie of despair? And so many of us, and some of you listen right now, you had a hard time getting out of bed this morning and yesterday morning. Because of the lie of despair that everybody's abandoned you, that God's abandoned you, and there's no hope. But when you get exposed to the truth, so it says, no, there is a hope, a hope that's a secure anchor that doesn't change in Jesus, that will come through for you, it can disempower that despair. Or the lie of lust, right? That's a stronghold. And some of you have been struggling with that. And... and <laughs> And it's a lie that says, I, I should just freely satisfy whatever desire I have. But we get exposed to the truth of purity. It says, no, there's a way that you don't have to walk kind of um, according to the desires of the flesh, but you walk in the spirit. And see, one of the weapons we have is right here, God's word. The, the other weapon, the other weapon that we have is prayer. Is prayer. And that's where we kind of get to say out loud that we believe it to God back and forth, God's word. Um, about a week and a half ago, uh, it, was, it was the morning after um, 
there, there had been protests in the town that I live in, in, in Naperville. And I went, uh, and I actually recorded this on, on, on Facebook, Facebook Live. I went downtown, I went right to the intersection where there had been uh, several hundred protesters and, and, and were there with the police. And I intentionally stopped at that place and I prayed. And I think it was like a spiritual warfare prayer. I prayed for the police that they would understand that they do have a high calling. That they do have a high calling. And, 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 and I prayed that they would be people that would bring peace. But then I also, I prayed for the protesters. And I prayed that, that, that they would sense your pleasure in how they want justice. But I also prayed that they would do it in a way that would honor Jesus, the way Jesus would do it. And I'll tell you, one of the things that occurred to me too, as I thought about that moment, is that what's going on is the enemy is at work. He's trying to lie and he's trying to divide. And I think maybe overarching, we have to get this, okay? I'm not the enemy. You're not the enemy. <laughs> no, the evil one is the enemy. And for some of you in your households, hear me this, your husband, your wife, your spouse, because you're just about ready to give up you, and you've almost decided they're the enemy. No, they're not the enemy. Your neighbor, your neighbor that you, that you get this weird feud going on about something that started out so small. They're not the enemy. No, the evil one is the enemy. That, that family member, extended family that you haven't talked to in weeks or months, maybe years, they're not the enemy. That person you unfriended or unfollowed on social media, they're not the enemy. The evil one is the enemy. And we fight the evil one with, okay, this as our truth source and also with prayer. And when we do, like the prophet Isaiah, he said this, he said, listen, no weapon formed against you will ever succeed. No weapon formed against you will ever succeed. So here's the challenge, and I, I want us to fight. I want you to fight, not each other, but I want you to fight the evil one. And the way we do it, two simple tools, okay? You have God's word and you have prayer. In fact, I wanna I want challenge you. One of the things that we put together, and I, I just printed it out here, uh, this sheet of paper, we wanna give you, there's like 13 different strongholds we've identified. And we, we identify each of the lies that come along with them, and then how to gain freedom. And here's the scripture that goes with them. And then we actually even gave you a, a, a sample prayer. So if you will text, text to me this right here, deliver us, just that, we put the two words together, deliver us, because it goes with the Lord's Prayer, to 313131. We'll send you a link, you can click on that link, and then you'll have access to this. And you can begin just to put your confidence in God's Word. All right, because that's one of the tools. But I also challenge you, if you're gonna go on the offensive, how about a prayer walk? How about a prayer walk in your neighborhood? Start today. You need to get out of the house. Walk around your neighborhood and you just pray for every house in your neighborhood. You, you pray against the lies that the evil one is trying to kind of infiltrate there. You pray for unity there. You pray for unity in your, in your community. Maybe, maybe you go to the, the, the center of your city and you pray against the lies and you pray for unity. You pray truth over that place. Because I'm telling you, here's the thing. God has given us the weapons to fight the enemy. All right? I want us to wrap up by praying that prayer of spiritual warfare. And here it is. I'll tell you what, again, 
even if it's just me and you, just whisper these words along with me. Have them come out of your mouth. On the count of three. One, two, three. Deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.